2: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are, as always, joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and with me this week I've got James K. As always, hello, James. Hello, good hello to be everybody. here again. Good, good. Week after week, now we are doing this, which I'm, I'm actually finding it hard to like fit it into the schedule. Weirdly, yeah.
3: Like your your schedule is
2: busy, whereas
3: mine is like you ask me what I'm doing day to day, and i be like I'm. I'm nothing <laughs> no, none, none.
2: um yeah for those who don't work, no. I'm, st- I'm still working during this pandemic uk everyone's pretty much not working now um uh, but i am still working so i'm still going out still yeah
3: i i would say this podcast is probably the only thing i do every week <laughs> i sometimes do like a quiz in the evening with friends which is what i've got tonight but like is that like house party that, or zoom yeah, Zoom. Zoom's the way forward. They're, they're killing it at the minute. Aren't Zoom selling everyone's information, though? I did not know that, but I don't have much information I to sell, they, so I sell they,
2: away. I think they said like 40 million subscribers have had their data breached uh, using Zoom because it's not secure enough. Well. And they're all being sold on the dark web.
3: Did not know that. I'll look into that after we end up. Have done. a
2: little look at that, uh, and maybe look at House Party. <laughs>
3: Uh, I deleted House Party because of all the hacking things. And also, it was oh, fucking damn. annoying. Did you have the app on your phone? I've n- I've not had any of them. Oh, uh, it was the most annoying app. Every time someone would like log in, it would be like, oh, say you got it, it would be like, oh, Ryan's in the house. Every time. So right. if you kept closing the app and reopening it, it would keep giving a fucking notification. Brilliant. And like, it was stressing me out, so I had to get rid of it. <laughs> um, and also, the connection was really poor. Like, just use FaceTime video. So, uh, so much better. Interesting.
2: So yeah, um, we usually meet up once a month, we pre-plan it, we're like, right, this is the day we're going to meet up, and then I'll cut James's, or James will come to mine, and then we spend all day, we record all four episodes, and we have to basically forget about it for the month, James just uploads and I do the social media, that's pretty much how it goes, Um, but obviously we can't meet up at all at the moment, so we're having to do it week by week on the interwebs, and uh, Mm. uh, yeah, we're having to just this is this is quite new for us that we're trying to find time in the week to get it done rather than just dedicating a whole day to it
3: it's going to be very interesting when things go back to normal when we decide to to go back to normal
2: yeah yeah uh journeys long journeys again love that yeah i just quite like the I wonder journeys, when that's to gonna come
3: I'll, I'll, I'll like hopefully it's soon but it might be a few months yet
2: yeah so i look forward to that guys we might have some better audio quality from me coming um Right. I think it sounds alright to be fair like, I haven't noticed any issues hmm. Let us know guys if uh, there's any change in the quality for you guys um, I, I, I don't. I, th- I think we're on episode 40 I think this is episode 40 I, Oh we lost count, we've I, done so many Yeah I noticed that I stopped mentioning it every episode well, so I can't bother to mention the numbers
3: um, I'll quickly look it up The only thing that is positive Obviously
2: if we are in 40 That means we're only 12 away from doing this for a whole year
3: when did we start? It was, I think, on our own. August. We started in
2: yeah August,
3: July. I think we
2: started discussing it. That's right. I think we started in August. Um, and if it, if it, I think we started in August with some help. I think maybe officially, we, uh, solo episodes went out in September when we were doing it off our own backs.
3: Yeah. <sighs> so how, how many episodes have
2: we done? It may be forty.
3: This is episode forty.
2: This, I believe, is episode forty. That's cool. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is episode forty.
3: And August twenty third, I believe, was our first upload of by ourselves.
2: Oh, okay, interesting. Wow, bloody hell! This is it, is it. Is really going quick.
3: Yeah, man. This last year, like so much has happened. Not nice stuff has happened, but it's uh, flying by. March went really slow, but have you noticed that April just is like. Oh, go on. going
2: so quick Gone. it's what it's the 22nd which i'm really happy
3: about yeah i really want this next shitstorm month two months three months wherever it's going to be just to fuck like fuck off as quick as possible mm. yeah it's going very very quick i think it's because in march everyone was like oh this is scary this is new and now everyone's like weirdly kind of
2: at peace with it mm. yeah do you remember the world cup summer how good that was let's just oh
3: that was best time of my life
2: yeah that was a time
3: that was so good. I'd kill a man to go back to that
2: time. Moment of silence for the World Cup summer.
3: Mm.
2: Excellent. Right, let's crack on with the pod, <laughs> shall we? Uh, last week, we spoke about the Cadbury family, or uh, was, it, was it Cadbury? Cadbury family. Um, <laughs> yeah, Cadbury. John Cadbury and how his weird long line of Cadbury families have uh, invented a town and taken the world over with chocolate. And it's now American, which means it inevitably is going to get worse. Uh, Oh yeah, for sure. This week we are sticking with food, but this time we are not going with the lovely sumptuous chocolate that is a treat for you all. We're going for what is the pinnacle uh, of eating breakfast cereals. And who better in the breakfast cereal world than Kellogg's? We've all heard of Kellogg's, but who's the man behind the name Kellogg's? And why is it like an autograph? I don't know yeah. that, but it is his autograph. We are talking about a man called Mr. John Harvey Kellogg, who sports a very fantastic moustache. Have a quick look online, James. Uh, check out we'll the have picture. To, we'll have to upload a picture. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. I mean, no. as you know, pictures on the social medias, you all know what they look like. Uh, but some of this picture I've got here, he's got a fantastic moustache and beard going on. Funny, I could grow something like that. Um Loads of isolation beards going on at the moment, and they look awful. Mine
3: is fucking dreadful. Like, really, really bad. I was hoping to get, like, a Chris Hemsworth thing going on, but I've just turned into Mr. Tumnus. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Oh, bloody hell, that's a fantastic moustache. It is, isn't it? That's a really, really good mustache. He ca- he maintained it as well through throughout life. Yeah, uh, before you it- some pictures, he kind of looks like Colonel Sanders.
2: Yes, yes, there is a bit of that. Uh, if, if, for those listening, if you haven't yet seen the picture, uh, imagine if you have seen Blackout of Fourth. Um, he's like uh, General Melchid's beard uh, mustache in that. It's very like pushed back on his face, and it's flicking up. It's fantastic.
3: Anyway. I've just seen a headline here, I don't know if you'll get onto this, but it says cornflakes were part of John Harvey Kellogg's anti-masturbation crusade.
2: Ooh, spoilers. Is that part of this? Yeah, definitely, definitely.
3: But we will get onto that. Oh, good. We'll talk about masturbation later. I told you the story's a bit bizarre. Yeah, I didn't expect wanking to be brought up, but let's crack on. Yeah, let's. Uh, So,
2: John Harvey Kellogg, he was born February 26th, 1852 in Tyrone, Michigan, to John and Jeanette Kellogg. He was one of 17 siblings. His dad, John. That's a lot of siblings. Yeah, his dad, John, was a very busy man. He was married previously and had six kids before the wife died. And then he married uh, John Harvey's mother, um, Jeanette, and then had a further 11 children with her.
3: Bloody uh, no! I know. That just didn't stop. No, he's
2: got nothing else to do, apparently. Um, so, John's father, John, was a member of the Seventh Day Adventist Church and believed... Ah,
3: we've covered that before. We have,
2: briefly. With, but who was that we went over with?
3: Ah, uh, what's his? Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss. Hacksaw Ridge. That's
2: right. There we go. It's all linking in. So yeah, yeah he was seventh day adventist and uh believed that the ch- the return of Christ was imminent and so a formal education was not needed apparently Jesus is the best guy to be teaching your kids um but, but I imagine he'd be good at re well, imagine I don't know if he'd be good at like it well, no imagine him teaching sex education yeah don't do it don't do it but, but do it don't tell anyone and let people think you did like yeah is...
3: well he's the fucking product of an affair so
2: one he's the product of an affair and he was supposedly having a bit of a fl- was married to um an ex sex worker Mary Magdalene right yeah i um,
3: yeah D- didn't yeah didn't they marry
2: i think they marry that's the story they were isn't in
3: it? Get- they were involved they were... i don't really know i'm not very they were good rather intimate. Kind of she,
2: she 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 had a foot fetish cuz she got to wash his feet didn't she that's horrific. <laughs> imagine that Jesus had kinks.
3: <laughs> I imagine he did. He's a he was a human being like the rest of us. Yeah, man.
2: You know when he's on that cross, he was getting off on it. Like he had a rock hard bone when yeah, he's he was getting that it. nail put into his hand. <laughs> <laughs> weird guy. Anyway, so uh, although the Kellogg's kids, which sounds weird, sounds like some sort of like promotion that the cereal company are doing, uh, the Kellogg's kids did go to a school. Um, but it was like a basic primary school where they were just taught to barely read and write. And, you know, And at the age of 10, Kellogg was taken out of school. And that was to help Daddy Kellogg with the broom factory that they had. Make you, people need brooms. People do need brooms, particularly at a time when there are no vacuums. So you've got to sweep something. So... John Harvey Kellogg initially has not gone to school. He the only schooling he's had is he learn how to read and write his own name, and that's about it. In the age of ten, he's now a working man, and at twelve, uh, was taken under the wing of a guy called James White. This guy was married to the prophetic leader of the Seventh Day Adventists. Uh, her name was Ellen Harmon. So they're all in this cult. And then the person who's yeah. in charge of the cult, Ellen, her husband has taken young John at the age of twelve under his arm. Uh, his plan was to get the young Kellogg to learn all he could about printing, which was their business, uh, with the intention of getting their gospel out to as many people as possible. Um, you know, the whole like, oh, Jesus is coming, don't you know that kind of stuff? Um, let's utilize that, get yeah. get the word out about the Seventh Day Adventists, and you're gonna ha- you're gonna learn this and be like my. Protege or whatever it is. So um, initially, it turns out Kellogg actually enjoyed this work. Uh, he enjoyed reading and working with the printing press. Um, and obviously, working with a printing press means that you have all the reading materials at your disposal, which helped him because obviously he's only just about got an education to learn how to read. He has no other formal education. So, this sort of is his education in a way.
3: I feel like this is a theme, like most great people who have gone on to do big things have had a really shit education
2: yeah it's they're generally self taught,
3: so I feel like when i God forbid have children, I'm gonna have a few, and one of them I'm just not gonna teach, <laughs> and I'm just gonna let them be just do what they want to do growing up because that will be the one that goes on to do amazing well, things. well
2: no, no, you can't give them nothing, you have to give them just enough. I'll
3: let them read and write yeah let, let them a learn how to read certain and write. degree. And then something really obscure, like they'd be really good at Latin.
2: Interesting, yeah. They can only read Latin.
3: And then just see what happens. I would fuck that kid up there's for There's
2: actually a story of a guy who's he's a, he's a linguist and he brought his son up to only speak Klingon to him. Is that a form of child abuse? Well, I don't know, because it would be like, say, if you had a parent, one spoke French, one spoke English, and they couldn't, you know, it's just like that, isn't it, really? Um, so he, he was a an linguist and could speak, like, uh, air quotes, fluent uh, Klingon, obviously. So is it, it is an ever-evolving language that is not fully formed yet at all, which is weird considering it's so old, and yet yeah, Dothraki from Game of Thrones is more fleshed out than that, and it's newer. Um, yeah. You can even learn Valyrian, which I find cool. Anyway, he, uh, yeah, he, he, the child, the child was allowed to speak whatever was their native tongue to the mother, but only to the dad. Uh, he could only commune with him via Klingon. He didn't know, like the kid didn't know that he could speak English to the dad, and the dad would only speak Klingon to him. And apparently, the kid was like, you know, he was like a fluent second speaker in in Klingon, um, but inevitably, he noticed that the kid, like, I think it was like just stopped speaking Klingon. And would only choose to speak one language over the other. More, I think that's I think that's how it ended out. And then the dad was like, I,
3: because he probably got heavily bullied for only being able to speak. Klingon. Well, no,
2: I suppose he could speak English to other people or whatever language it was, but only to the dad could he speak Klingon. And I think his dad was trying to like that's figure out. I think like so, I can't remember what it was, but it was a really interesting sort of experiment. But should you be experimenting on your children? Not sure. Yeah, it's in grey area. That yeah, very grey um so yeah uh, john harvey kellogg he's young he's impressionable he's being taken under the wing by the man of the lady of the cults oh, sorry i shouldn't call it that anyway um and he's reading as many books as he can while he's learning to use a reading printing press unfortunately the reading material is all a bit wanky and half-baked religious nonsense that obviously they're trying to dispel um you know we we'll love a good story book but these are the books that really he's reading. It's, it's a lot of it's just religious stuff, not sort of sciencey bits and that. Like I don't know, Newton reading a book on gravity. I don't know. It's just yeah. a lot of it's religious bits. So but but these books, however, were almost self-help books preaching ways uh, to live. So like give up alcohol for Christ so your prophetic visions can't be blamed on being drunk. Uh, remain abstinent. let your penis shrivel and die because jesus never used his so why do you need to have yours Um, try being vegetarian ignore the fact that the bible says animals were put on the earth for humans to eat these things were becoming popular movements for the religious group Um, so give up all these things become a healthy human being it makes you closer to god that was sort of their philosophy like we got that with desmond Doss as well he was a vegetarian and like anti-violence as well wasn't he um. I, obviously, we spoke last week. I'm reading. I'm currently going through the King James Bible. Oh um, uh, yeah, how are you getting on with that? Yeah, it, I'll be honest with you. It's not. It's not very put together very well narratively. There's, there's like big leaps. There's like uh, Adam and Eve, and then there's like a big list of the characters that are going to feature in this story. And it was like, uh, and all the all the people that lived there were very nasty. So God decided that I'm going to kill them all with a flood, and Noah. Uh, you're just just drunk bloke sitting on the floor wanting to shake your daughter. You can be the man who built a big ship for me, please. And it's like, hold on a minute. How did we get to that bit? There's no, like, filler. It's like yeah. chapters 5 to 13 we've just taken out. Hmm. Really weird. Yeah, it's not very well connected. No, no. Um, but uh, weirdly, in Genesis, obviously, I did just mention that, like, You know, in the Bible, it does say that animals were put there for humans to eat. It doesn't say that necessarily. I'm taking the piss a bit. It does say that um, God says something, Adam, and he's like, I've given you every single plant and every single, like, sort of, yeah, every single, single plant that bears food that is your meat. He literally says your meat, which I found interesting, which is probably where the Seventh day Adventists have got this idea of if you have become a vegetarian, you don't eat meat. You'll become closer to God because God initially told Adam that you should basically be a vegetarian, right? But why is it called meat? Well, I don't know, but he he says this: "This shall be your meat." But give it. I think it's like another four or five pages later. He also then says to Adam, "It's like, oh yeah, all these animals, yeah, um, they're yours. Basically, you can do what you want with them. Um, they're basically they're there to serve you in any way you wish." Which obviously is where people can then say, "Well, as as the dominant." Of the animal, we're allowed to do what we want with it uh, to sustain our needs, and if eating it sustains our needs, why not do it? So you've got like a two arguments from one bloody book.
3: If Adam and Eve were the first two people, does that mean everyone who has followed is a product of incest? Yes,
2: yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> that's something that I find gets overlooked quite a lot. It's like Adam. That's just not good, Adam and really. Yeah, like, yeah, but if there's only two of them. They have. A, they can only. Have sex with yourselves. so
3: they'd they'd have like a children, like a boy and a girl, whatever, and their offspring have to then, and then
2: reproduce with something.
3: That's fun, isn't there a character
2: called Ruth as well? Who's that? I don't know. I don't think I've come across a Ruth.
3: I'm sure I don't know. I'm sure there was something about someone gets formed out of the rib of someone else. Oh, that's or... Eve. What, they, mate? So people, oh, I'm
2: not going to bash people. Oh, you're religion, thinking about Adam's fucking... first wife.
3: What? oh yeah he has another one yeah so adam and eve aren't the first two people there
2: was adam and ruth there was uh, her name's lilith woman one
3: why why yeah Lil- this book doesn't make sense man. but
2: to be fair Lil- lilith comes from uh the uh, jewish mythology um more than like the sort of the western christianity version that we w- would know um but yeah she's like his first wife she's created at the same time as him from the same clay that adam was created out of um right and i can't remember what happens to her but she i think she like she's she's supposed to be like his servant she does basically everything he wants her to do like she's like uh, i think god created two of them and it was just like um oh yeah like she's there to serve you adam he's like all right cool and i think she gets a bit like uh, a bit suffragette and was like, nah, get fucked. I can do whatever you can do." And then I think she either gets cast away or something, and I think maybe she becomes the serpent or something like that. I don't know. But then Eve is created from Adam's rib. After that,
3: right? Like, how do people believe this, man? Like,
2: yeah, man. I, I don't know. It's crazy, but we are somewhat divulging. But oh yeah, but cereal. but serial, yes. This religion is obviously, you know, um, as, as much as I, I maybe shit on it if you believe man do what you want with it um and and without it we, we wouldn't have a cereal. so take that james white yes the man who has taken uh john Harvey kellogg under his wing james white and his protégé kellogg were becoming very very close and they grew quite the father and son bond working together so much so that the leader of the church and the wife of james uh, ellen who was obviously the leader of the church said that their relationship was uh, closer that James, uh, closer than James was with his own children. So over the years, these beliefs and ideologies would cement into Kellogg's mind. So be a vegetarian, um, don't drink alcohol, all this sort of stuff will help you become uh, a better Adventist and become closer to God and all that sort of stuff. So when he was sixteen, he decided that he actually wanted to teach and began to teach children at a district school in Michigan, where he grew up. When he turned 20 in 1872, he enrolled onto a teacher training course. But the Adventist movement had other plans for their beloved protege. Kellogg, along with four other young people in the community, were convinced to join Russell Troll's Hygiotherapeutic College in New Jersey on a six-month medical course. Uh, the idea was to have trained doctors within the movement, possibly to give the movement more validity um, sort of to the doctrine and whatever. Um, you know, yeah. so it, it makes more, it, it looks better to say, oh, you know, you're all, I don't know, I don't know. We've got skilled workers and professionals who believe this sort of stuff as well. They're, we've got skilled workers and professionals are, so they're Adventists, and it gives them more credence, I suppose, to say, oh, well, a doctor's going for it, a doctor believes it, and why not? Um, I think moreover, as well, because they're a bit of a community that sort of maybe lived within themselves, um, it would make more sense to have an actual doctor in, in the community just to look after everyone as well. And obviously, he's a reader, Kellogg, he knows sort of he can read and he's quite an intelligent person, it would make more sense to get him to do that as well.
3: So, that seems like a good basis for a health system. So. Who can read?
2: Yeah. You. You're a doctor. Um so Kellogg was interested in studying the prevention of illness more so than sort of like curing it and that. Um
3: which yeah, all very topical.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh what what's they say like prevention I forgot what the phrase is like prevention over cure or something. Anyway, After his six-month course, the religious movement funded further study at the University Medical School in Michigan and then on to New York University in, you guessed it, New York. By 1970, not 19, by 1875, Kellogg had graduated and was officially a medical doctor, an MD. He would soon become the director of Western Health Reform Institute, renaming it the Battle Creek Medical Surgery Oh, man. The, the Battle Creek Medical Surgical Sanitarium. It's too long. It doesn't need to be that long. Just call it Battle Creek Sanatorium.
3: Yeah. But no,
2: it's Battle Creek Medical Surgical Sanatorium. <sighs> <sighs> That's yes, because, you know, more words make it... If you if you can't read it, it's probably smarter than you are. Yeah. Um, now, this place became a medical resort slash hotel that at the height of its popularity welcomes between twelve to 15,000 people every year, including some very famous faces like a Thomas Edison, a Henry Ford, and an Amelia Earhart. It was an impressive facility, but I will get onto that a bit more later on. So, cool. he's now officially a medical doctor, and he's now the director of a sanatorium, a sort of like a, a, a clinic, if you will. And uh, it's a rather popular one. But before all of that, John Kellogg met and married a 29-year-old, Ella Eaton, in 1879. And boy, was their wedding night a busy one. You think Kellogg's dad had 17 children. He was a busy man. Yeah. Kellogg the Younger, young John Harvey, would put his dad to shame. Guess how many he had.
3: So if his dad had seventeen, um, twenty-three.
2: Okay, final answer. Yeah. Incorrect. He had no children. Oh dear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not biologically, anyway. Uh, John Har- John Harvey Kellogg was abstinent. Remember, <laughs> no sex. That, uh, that's that that's the sense. thing. So, yeah. and uh, Ella being part of the Seventh Day Adventists as well was also celibate. Yeah. So they both were adamant they would keep their vows of celibacy and never touched each other. What, even when married? Even when married. Even on their wedding night.
3: But I'm sure once you're married, you can do whatever.
2: Yeah, I don't know. But they decided to be uh, abstinent. And that, that's that. Once they've made you that say vow, abstinent.
3: I call it boring.
2: <laughs> I call it missing out. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, they would not have any biological children, but they would go on to adopt eight children and bring them that's up nice. as their own. That's yeah, good. so yeah. Exactly. Nothing wrong with the celibacy. Like if you are celibate, fine. I just think you're potentially missing out. It's There's quite... a there's
3: a very few pleasures in life and that's probably one of the main ones.
2: Yes, that and I don't know, chocolate like we said last yeah, week. Yeah, eating
3: and... and drinking and just having a good uh, old time.
2: Yeah. And England beating columbia in the penalties in yeah 2018. that
3: was that was the most euphoric moment fantastic
2: anyway right back to it religion was ever present in kellogg's medican medicine medical and scientific world um do you know what it is it, I wrote medicinal but it's cut off because it's at the end of the page so it's me slash d and then it's like Dichinol, dichinol, and I was like trying to figure out. Yeah, medicinal. Uh, So yes, religion. I'll start again. Religion was ever present in Kellogg's medicinal and scientific world. Science and religion was at this time beginning to separate, with science becoming more secular. Uh, But Kellogg was determined that they could work together. Kellogg defended his views uh, using the heart as an example. Uh, So, quote: "The heart is a muscle. The heart beats." My arm will contract and cause the fist to beat, but it beats only when my will commands. But here is a muscle in the body that beats when I am asleep. It beats when my will is inactive and I am utterly unconscious. It keeps on beating all the time. What will is it that causes this heart to beat? The heart cannot beat once without a command. To me, it is a most wonderful thing that a man's heart goes on beating. It does not beat by means of my will, for I cannot stop the heart's beating, or make it beat faster or slower by commanding it by my will. But there is a will that controls the heart. It is the divine will that causes it to beat. And in the beating of that heart, that can you feel as you put your hand upon your breast, or as you put your finger against the pulse, an evidence of the divine presence that we have within us. That God is within. That there is an intelligence, a power, a will within that is commanding the functions of our bodies and controlling them. End quote.
3: So the heart beats because God.
2: Yes, so you're saying, um, I can contract my fist, but it only contracts because I will it to, I tell it to. I can't tell my heart to stop or start beating so who's doing that it must be god um that's a massive fucking jump is isn't it isn't it <laughs> yeah, i mean i can kind of get where he's going he's saying he's he's saying if if i if, if it is my will and we will translate the word will to thought if it is my thought that is making my my fist clench uh, why can't i do that with my heart if my heart is the thing that pumps the body, uh, pumps the blood around the body that's keeping me alive, why can't I control that? Oh, it must be something other that controls it. Or well, what other will slash thought could be doing that? Must be God's will slash thought. God is therefore keeping my heart pumping.
3: I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because this was like a long time ago. So yeah, it's before 1900,
2: So yeah, maybe give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Uh, but, but it also but... would suggest that God decides when the heart stops beating.
3: But that's bollocks, because you can remove the heart from someone's body and it can carry on beating for a little while. Yeah. As long as the heart has oxygen, it will beat. Like, that's what a heart does. It has its own fucking electrical system.
2: It does, yeah. It is an interesting thing. It, it's this, 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 because God.
3: Yeah, that that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, you can't argue against that, because if you, the second you say, oh, no, that's not true, they'll be like, well, prove it, prove that God's not doing that. And, like, immediately you're again fucking against a wall because they won't accept anything else.
2: Well, yeah, there's a reason why in a court of law you don't prove why someone didn't do something, you prove that someone did do something. Does
3: that
2: make yeah, sense? Exactly. Like, you the have to have enough evidence to... to suggest that the person did said thing you're accusing them of. You don't have to prove they didn't. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's 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 impossible arguing with them.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I i actually sort of uh I was talking to someone who I used to go to university with, she was very deeply religious and we used to have really, really interesting conversations. Obviously I'm very anti I'm just not I'm not religious in any way, shape or form and I would love to try and be, uh, but i, I just for some reason can't. Where well, she was diehard opposite and I said, Well what about, you know, creating the world in seven days, Genesis story and that? And she was like, Well, uh yeah, okay maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say seven days or whatever and all this sort of stuff and it just popped up and that and i actually did sort of try and also like a little bit help her and defend it and said um you know what if one day to god is like a billion years or like three billion years to what us would be does that make sense yeah so you know okay he did it all in six days and on the seventh day rested what if those six days in equivalent to human years is you know 13 billion years i don't know you can have that one They're for free, that, everyone.
3: Like, the the the, the lifespan of Earth is entirely dependent on the sun. And I think the sun is halfway through its life cycle, mm. which is like 8 billion. So I think in like 4 billion, I, I might have got the numbers wrong, but in a few billion years when the sun dies, Earth will die. Mm. Unless we've wiped ourselves out first, which is more than likely.
2: Yeah. But when that happens, they'll just rewrite the book and say, well, he did it with a flood once, uh, and that didn't work, so this time he's going to just blow it up. There literally there won't be anyone to write that book. <laughs> yeah, they will. We'll be off on like Deep Space Nine, just like floating around in another galaxy. Thanks to science. Thanks to science. <laughs> anyway, back to the pod. In 1902, the Battle Creek Sanatorium was destroyed by a fire this was a huge blow to Kellogg who loved practicing there more and more people were beginning to visit for treatments and he immediately wanted to uh, resort uh, back to building it better and bigger and better than it was but the church owned it so uh, the Adventists they actually owned the building and they were not keen on having it rebuilt Uh, the head of the church Ellen she claimed that a cleansing sword of fire destroyed the resort for becoming too worldly and business minded which obviously was very unhappy with Kellogg he was not happy with that at all he loved practicing there and you know it's almost like he almost it's like he got away from sort of the the grasp of the, the group and the community and was able to sort of stretch his wings a little bit and then they went no come back where do you think you're going Mm. Now, Kellogg must not have got the memo on this because he and the board elected to rebuild the resort, making it bigger and better, and it was huge. This place had 30 buildings on 30 acres of land. It had a hospital, nursing school, it employed over 800 people, it had a food company, uh, marble floors all around and a 14-storey tower uh, imposing over the whole thing. So what kinds of treatments might you expect from Dr Kellogg at his famous sanatorium or san as it was affectionately known? So Kellogg was a strong believer in fresh air, which is such an old school doctor thing. I recommend, yeah. I, I prescribe fresh air and walks.
3: <laughs> it's like when, did you ever like have the school nurse that no matter what was wrong with you, you'd go there, she'd be like, oh, have a cup of water, you'll be fine. Yes, have a cup
2: of water, no matter go what back. what was wrong. Yeah, have a cup of water and go back. And if you feel ill, come back.
3: I broke my leg, oh, have a cup of water. like, fuck off, yeah.
2: no. Like, I, I always had that. Although, I'm, I'm pretty certain that they would sort of, they were always, they knew that kids were just going to try and pour a fast one. So they were always like, well, have some water go back to class, and if you still feel ill in about an hour in your next session, come back. Because then it was like, you now have to put in more effort, which I was more than happy to do.
3: (laughs) I I never, once I was in school, I never, like, skived off. I'd always power
2: through the day. Well, more so because you are with your friends at that point.
3: Exactly, but I'd skied off
2: before school. That's when I. Yes, always before school, never really during school, unless you knew you got a really crap class coming up. I had a problem. My mum was a school nurse, so um, uh, I couldn't get away with hardly anything. I mean, if ever I felt sick in the morning, it was go to school, if you feel really bad, you'll come home. <laughs> it was never like, yeah. you poor thing, you poor thing. My mum was just like, yeah, I've seen this before, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. <laughs> but you don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um I actually, at one point, I I, well, I think I was in year ten, um, and a friend of mine in food tech tried to make like a fruit smoothie, and this thing was absolutely vile. And I was sat in my form after lunch break, and he was like, "Oh, Ryan, do you want to try the smoothie?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, sure, sure." So I tried it. I tell you, it was disgusting so bad I just spat it out, and I managed to. How
3: can you make a fruit smoothie? That I don't know. It's not hard. I don't
2: know, but like we're fourteen, so. Pff, you could do whatever you want in it. I don't even know what was in it. No. But I ended up spilling half it down my blazer jacket. Uh, and it smelled like vomit. And it looked like it and all. I was like, well, this is my opportunity. So I said to my form tutor, I said, oh, Miss Thomas, sorry, I've, I've been sick <laughs> down myself.
3: And did you get to go home? I
2: went to the doctor's, uh, the, the nurse's office. I was like, I really, I'm sorry, I've been sick down my, my blazer, but I feel really sick. She was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sit down, sit down." She rang my mom, and she was like, "No, yeah, he has got sick on his blazer jacket." And my mom came pick me up. Cracking! Oh, no, smashed I know. You saw it. the opportunity and you took it. Took it. Um, so yeah, this place was massive, right? And you could get a shitload of treatments in it. And fresh air was obviously he was a keen believer in fresh air, exercise, and hygiene. There is there is a reason why he has marble floors everywhere. It's because marble floors are super easy. Dupe to clean. Yeah, you just mop them. Just mop them and they will come up sparkling You don't get stuff embedded in them. They're just clean. He was all like a germaphobe almost, but not to the point of like Nikola Tesla. We had Nikola Tesla who would go for like 12 napkins just to eat his dinner. Yeah. He's not that bad. Um, but he uh, also believed in having a good diet, rich in fiber for good bowel movements like whole grains Ooh. and nuts. It's all about wow. the poo. So, so far so bad so far it's not too bad at all okay so far so good is the phrase some other treatments you could expect would be found in the sanctum sanatorium a room a room filled with enema machines
1: real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: I recognise the word, but you'll have to explain.
2: Okay. Enemy machines all sat waiting to plug up your bum and empty you out.
3: Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's probably why I didn't know that. That's something I don't feel like I needed to know. That's horrendous. <laughs>
2: Yes, um, yeah, enemas are quite re- relatively common. If you've got, like, other issues, you can um, uh, shove a bit up there and it just clears out your arsehole, completely clears no. it out. Yeah, if, if uh, you're looking to have a bit of fun up that way, that's where you That's where you want to be going, uh, down the enema right. road. Now you know. Now you know, if you ever need to, now you know. So, um, Kellogg believes that everyone should have four bowel movements a day what i don't know if you're willing to share but i only have one bowel movement a day one a day one, one a day. day four a day now if i have four in a day i assume something's wrong with me right i know four bowel movements a day i'm going to put that down to everyone just having a poor diet He's eating too much fiber it's just you has got to get it out so I-, I had this
3: conversation with some friends a while back and like it does vary person to person but i think the the main number is between one and two a day
2: yeah, I think so. That's that's about normal. I don't understand people that have one in the morning and one at night. I'm a very regular man. No,
3: I, I'm like clockwork. I'm I'm usually probably like eight, nine-ish at night.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a me time. That's a me time. That's that's me getting my phone out. I can sit there yeah, for about exactly. 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I get like a text from Emma um, just saying, have you fallen down the toilet? I'm like, no, I'm in a meeting. <laughs>
3: But then you get up and, like, your legs hurt and they've gone dead. Oh, that's
2: how I know when to get up, when my legs turn into, like, static on the telly. Yeah. That's when you know you're done. So, he believes that you need to have four bowel movements a day. If you're still having trouble, he would add uh, yogurt to your diet, okay? That's supposed to help. And if if that wasn't working, guess what the enema was then filled up with? I dread to think. Uh, that yoghurt you didn't eat <laughs> oh so he's putting yoghurt up your ass <laughs> yeah you gotta get it in somewhere
3: but that doesn't oh damn <laughs>
2: yeah now have some yoghurt and you're like oh, gee, I really can't I'm fed up with the yoghurt alright fine bend over I'm gonna put it up there instead up so
3: the phrase yeah, I'm, I'm gonna shove it up yogurt. your ass he bent he yeah. it and did it
2: yeah he literally he'd fill enemas up of yogurt and shove that right up the yeah, end that apparently would really properly clear you up i suppose because yogurt is full of bacteria i suppose maybe that's somewhat yeah, good bacteria i yeah, don't know
3: yogurt is good for you as long as you eat it through your mouth <clears throat> and let it come out your ass the other way <laughs> yeah,
2: as long as yeah as long as your body actually digests it yeah. not just skips that whole process
3: be careful what you're putting up your asshole
2: mm. so kellogg uh, was one of the first to bring in light therapy which uses a light bath uh, this is basically like, um, basically like a sunbed. It's a cabinet with a chair in the middle and light bulbs layering the walls of the cabinet. They're not UV bulbs by any means. They're just light bulbs. You just sat in a very bright room. <laughs> uh, this was supposed to cure things like syphilis. I don't know how.
3: I don't think he he really knew what he was doing.
2: Yeah, man. I love this era of medicine when people are just like, yeah, it does that, and you're like, have you got any proof? Nah.
3: <laughs> I was speaking to my brother yesterday about like uh, medieval like medical practices and stuff. And say they were like getting like a flesh wound out of someone who'd been stabbed. They'd like clean it up yeah. or whatever. And like the doctors would always make a mess because they just fucking didn't know what they were doing in those days. And they'd let maggots eat the flesh that they'd like messed up, which obviously oh, is yeah. a really fucking bad thing to do. But they'd just put maggots in wounds because they thought they'd clean it and get rid of the bad flesh. Do they not do
2: that though? I thought maggots did eat flesh. Yeah, but you don't want to put them in an open wound. Right, okay, okay. It's leeches, isn't it? It's leeches you put on stuff.
3: Leeches suck out... Yeah, that's still bollocks as well. Leeches suck out the bad blood, as the fucking script would say. But yeah. Leeches...
2: Do you know they still use leeches today though? Yeah, but
3: like... (sighs) I'm sure there was times where they'd like put leeches on someone and then they'd go away for a night, come back in the morning and find that the leeches had literally drained people and like they'd just be dead because the leeches would have taken far too much i'm sure there's like i saw something fucking like.
2: leeches are you putting on someone
3: they would just fucking empty them it wouldn't be one or two it would be <laughs> fucking like jars and jars say, full that's a big fucking leech yeah it'd be loads of leeches and uh, oh, like right. to cure headaches, they'd fucking like drill holes in people's heads, which I do understand
2: because like I've that it... is called trepanning, and it's not for headaches. It's like I think that's an old Stone Age thing. Like even like I think cavemen used to do. Trepanning. Oh, I get I get the logic. Like,
3: have you ever had a tension headache, and it just feels yeah, it's, like it's you pressure. need to
2: fucking release something? Yeah, like and yeah, it feels feel like, like heads in a vice,
3: and it feels like if you fucking put a hole in there, like it would like be like, tss, and everything would like kind of pour out, and you'd feel better. Like I get the logic, but obviously it's
2: dumb as fuck. Yeah. Well, weirdly though, that people survived it.
3: Yeah, because they'd have um, what? Oh, what's the procedure that they used to do with mental patients, where they'd like p- uh, jab you through the whole like the your eye lobotomies. Lobotomies. Yeah, like people survived that, which is just fucked.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I and they're like,
3: oh, you're cured. They're not that. crazy anymore. So like, yeah, they're not crazy because they're fucking brain dead. All they can do is sit there and drool.
2: They're Zombies. Yeah. That reminds me. I watched Shutter Island the other day. It's good film. That really good film. Loved it. So, amongst the uh, yoga enemas and the light baths which will cure your syphilis, don't ask why or how. He also used electricity. Because of course he did. He's a doctor in the 1900s. Small currents applied to the skin and in some cases directly to the eyeball. New. No. This is a man who has invented your Kellogg's Frosties, everyone. <laughs> Electrocuting people's eyeballs and shoving
3: yoghurt at people's asses.
2: Yes. Uh, got diarrhea, a skin condition, mental illness, have a bath for several months, coming out like a prune. That's not a lie. But he would literally put you in a bath and you could be sat there for literal days. Surely that's bad for you. You'd get all bloated what? and like horrible. Wouldn't you? I would have thought so. You know they have dead bodies in like rivers and they're like, yeah. oh, he's been in there too long, they're... he's bloated
3: they're bloated as fuck like it's horrible yeah really not nice
2: yeah weird he was just like have a bath a bath will cure your mental illness
3: oh we should all try
2: that then which is what I definitely need to do the next time I'm having a bit of a down day and just gonna have a bath
3: yeah I mean they do help they are relaxing for like I don't know 20 minutes
2: yeah, I can understand the relaxing part of a bath but I'm not sure it's got anything that's going to cure my diarrhoea. No, there's no healing qualities to it. No, it's just me sat in my and own unless dirty you've water. Got,
3: unless you've got like muscle aches, in which case there are healing qualities.
2: There are there. Now, the weirdest one would be his views on quotes, solitary vice. Now, obviously we've heard some weird ones but this is the weirdest one. You want to take a guess at what? solitary vice means
3: solitary vice well solitary yeah. i'm assuming they're alone yeah and a vice to me is something that you put something in to like hold it tight
2: rethink vice um so if i was to say like uh grandfather vice city what would vice mean in that sense
3: oh fuck, i've completely forgotten
2: okay vice is something's a bit naughty a bit bad you shouldn't really be doing it you indulge in your vice
3: Oh, oh! We t- brought up masturbation earlier, didn't we?
2: Masturbation, yes. Yeah. That's exactly where we're going with this. Yes, he believed that masturbation led to things like heart disease and even, in some cases, insanity. Which means it's one of those. It's like you haven't done it, have you?
3: And this bloke, right, didn't have sex either. Didn't even touch his wife. So no, no. his balls must have been dragging across the
2: ground. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's probably cut him off. He's probably disgusted with him. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. This crazy. is so This is this is now a man who has no sexual experience in any way, shape, or form, and he's telling other people who have had sexual experiences that if you masturbate um, on your own, you could become insane or have heart disease. But
3: masturbating has like good things about it. It, it like it's recommended. But this is endorphins, doesn't it? Yeah, and also like you need to do it to like <laughs> like release like the fucking sperm that you are creating. Like, I think it's I, I... medically advised to wank at least, like, once a week.
2: I'm sure. Is that right?
3: Yeah. You've got to empty out the chamber.
2: I didn't think blue balls was, like, a thing. I thought it was just a joke that men use to get women to do stuff.
3: No, I swear, I swear it's medically advised. I don't know if it's once a week. I might have made that. But it's medically advised to, like, wank occasionally.
2: Interesting. Okay. Right, well, I better start, then. Uh... <laughs> yeah, um... just get rid of it somehow. Get rid of it somehow. Well, yeah, I don't understand this. To stop these men suffering chronically just for the enjoyment of a few minutes, he would have young men bound for long periods until their desire to choke the chicken went away. If that didn't work, you can put a cage or like a chastity belt on. If that didn't work, he could and did circumcise you without anesthetic in the hopes that the pain you felt during the horrific operation will prevent you from touching it ever again. Yeah, probably. This is a man who created our beloved cornflakes. What? What the fuck is happening here? This is a man who, when you go to grab your box of cereal in the morning, his name is plastered all over the box. And this man was so, like, anti-fucking masturbation, he would make you wear chastity belts, um, make you just... Tie you up until you're no know, longer horny, which I imagine for some people would make them more horny. And if that didn't work, he would just cut parts of your dick off with that anesthetic so that hope that the pain would stop you touching it ever again. He's a weird guy, man. He's a weird dude, isn't he? Girls were not exempt from this either, but by the way. You want to flick the beam? Kellogg has acid for that. Excuse me? <laughs> yes, drops of acid basically kill kill the clitoris make it basically not as responsive as it was before so that you've no need to fucking flick away at it
3: this dude is your good guy week yeah yes (laughs) right we might have to re-fucking think that
2: he's like he's like you know how we've said before it's like good people do bad things bad people sometimes do good things this is kind of one of those it's gray
3: yeah, bear in mind, well, bear in mind. he's putting acid on people's vaginas, so... Yes,
2: yes, but also I will I will carry it with this. He's not Joseph Mengele. He's not doing this necessarily like to eradicate a people. He genuinely is like one of these doctors who thinks that it's... He's, he's a doctor with a sort of a weird um, uh, ideology pushing forward his methods so that he thinks he's genuinely doing good and he thinks this is all medical treatments that will help you, but it's like it's, it, nowadays we look at it and go, that's fucking horrific.
3: Yeah, but he was also forcing his beliefs on people.
2: Uh, to some degree as well. People are paying him for this, bear in mind. He's not forcing Which... them to do this.
3: Yeah, I guess, okay, I guess, yeah.
2: That, that That's something I do. I will have to sort of defend him on that. People are literally coming to his clinic and paying for these treatments. They, are, I think they're very aware of what's going to happen. But of well, course, dumb as as they well. are going to have to have a consultation with him and he's going to tell them this stuff and they have to believe that. So he's saying, so these like these
3: guys got their way, right? And everyone in the world believed this. Humanity would stop because no one would fucking touch each other.
2: Oh, almost certainly, yeah, it would, it would eventually sort of die out, wouldn't it? Which I suppose David Attenborough would be really happy about.
3: <laughs> yeah, population overpopulation is a is a crisis.
2: It definitely is, but. What's happening is, like, it's, it's clear, like, what's going on in here is, like, uh, there's been, like, guys coming up to, uh, bear in mind as well, John Harvey Kellogg loved seeing his patients. Like, he would pretty much see every patient that came through the door. He wasn't one of those directors that was just like, oh, so many thousands of people have come through here, and he has, he doesn't know who they are. Apparently, he, he was very, like, open and friendly and wanted to go talk to almost all the patients that came through his door. So he's probably seen them all at some point. But, like, you're you, in this instance, you've got guys coming up to him being like, oh mr. mr 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 kellogg i just can't stop touching my dick i can't stop fucking having a go at it And he's like right okay we're gonna have to cut your dick off or like you know wear a chastity belt like, you know what i mean like these are probably people that are coming to him with i don't know addictions of sorts or you know can't stop masturbating or something and he, this is he's like bizarre way of fixing that um maybe there's a woman in this instance like i said that you know he's got acid drops that you could drop onto the vagina of the woman so that it's basically less sensitive so that they're less likely to have a go at it because it's not gonna get him much enjoyment. Um this is clearly like a time where women are more oppressed and they can't be sexually expressive in any way really so maybe the woman we, we women who are coming to him feel bad and guilty for, you know, being horny. And he's like obviously anti sex anyway, so he was like, well, Right, I'll sort that out for you.
3: Don't feel guilty for being
2: horny. No, don't feel guilty for being horny. Don't do it. In fact, indulge it. Have a go. Enjoy yeah. it. If, explore yourself. Uh, but, so, yes, I did mention yeah, there is acid for the old, um, the old lady garden, if you are too fond of it. Um, but alongside that, there was the good old FGM, or female genital mutilation. So instead of just acid drops on the old uh, clitoris, um, he could just basically mutilate your fanny cut bits off that don't need to be there which obviously still happens in some parts of the country and some parts of the world which is horrific or um, to make you less sexually active which is yeah, awful it's
3: a big problem especially in Africa isn't it
2: yeah man it's quite it's, quite, it's still there it's still going on please stop doing that I, that's what people do is very anti-FGM I can pack that in leave women alone um, yeah Um. so this is Fully the kind of shit virgins and those who don't like sex think about, right? This is what they want to do. People like, you know, God Botherers and the Pope. People who don't or haven't had sex telling people to have it and how to have sex. It's like, it'd be like me wandering into NASA and telling them how to terraform Mars ready for humans to live on. <laughs> it's it, like, it's even closer to home though, you know? Uh, coronavirus. Like and telling
3: doctors how to do their jobs. Yeah, literally, coronavirus, hey. right?
2: You, you, you've got experts telling you what to do daily, but the true experts, i.e. Gary from Stoke, thinks that toilet paper is what you really need, you know?
3: Yeah, and all the Americans that are protesting coronavirus, which, like...
2: Oh, my God, the United States of Karen, what are you doing? You what know, is happening? It sounds happening? bad
3: because there's a lot of Americans that are really nice people, but I genuinely think it's in the best interest of the rest of the world if we stop all travel to and from America until they sort themselves out. <laughs> like, they're fucking dumb. Like, they are so dumb, it hurts...
2: Yes, uh like, like like yeah, like you said, there are it's the it's the the loudest minority, isn't it? It's the loudest minority that are letting you all down, guys.
3: It, it is it's a massive shame, but the fact that there's a certain sense of arrogance with it as well. Yeah. The um, I, I feel like the rest if you're an American listener, it might be an interesting insight to see how the rest of the world views you. The rest of the world started laughing at you and now we're
2: just sad. It, genuinely like we're we, we're approaching the twenty thousand death mark in the UK uh, as of today. Where well, I think eighteen thousand in hospital deaths we've had was announced today yeah. at the time of recording on the twenty second. America, I believe you're you're up there as well. You've got similar numbers, I believe, or you're coming up to it anyway. Um,
3: and you've got a president that supports ending lockdown. Like, oh, yeah, you, well, your beaches you some of your make... beaches
2: in Florida have opened already. Like, I don't understand how you can't take that seriously and you're standing on your streets going, we're free people. Yeah, we all are, but would you not like to live as a free person rather than die as one?
3: Yeah, I'd like to live as a free person in a few months when we can. Crazy. Or I'll happily take this time. To save other people's
2: lives, it's literally there to sa- save yourself and others. Like there is no other two ways about it. You know, if you want to continue living free and running around with your guns, like stay at home and survive. Honestly,
3: so dumb, man. So are
2: Americans that uh, American listeners? If this is true, let us know. You guys are the biggest for preppers, right? You guys have all got doomsday bunkers and stuff. Why aren't you sitting in them?
3: Yeah, I saw a t- I saw a tweet earlier being like America, are the most well like prepared country individually for like doomsday scenarios and yet they're the main country that are still losing their fucking minds that they can't go to cheesecake
2: factory excellent love that
3: (laughs) it's just like you've been preparing for this and the second it happens you just lose your shit and the rest of the world goes yeah it's okay well we'll we'll deal with it yeah
2: um well back to kellogg (laughs) although he has got some odd thinking at least he offered help to those who couldn't afford it so, yeah. like, if you couldn't afford... He would come up with, like, healthcare plans and, like, you, you know, the prices can fluctuate. So even, like, the poorest of the poor, they could come and they can get treatment of some sorts at his clinics. So, if anything, you can argue he's helped more people in that sense, he's like... You know, people generally... Maybe they've come in with a broken arm or they've, like, hurt themselves or maybe cut their head open, something of like that. Like, they'll do that sort of stuff as well. It is a hospital, a running hospital as well, but he has, own, he has his own clinic. And bear in mind, you did say as well people go there and fucking stupid. Um, remember... Yeah, I, he means well. I did I did also put, I think, at the beginning of the episode, Henry, Henry Ford is one of the people that would go to this place and receive... Um, uh, uh, what's the word I was looking for now? I've lost the word. I've completely lost the word. Um...
3: I don't know, foreskin removal?
2: Yes, he went there and he he did receive some of these things that he was offering. So um, there are some famous people that went. Um, So let's get into the reason this sexless godly man's name is plastered on my breakfast cereal, okay? Um, Remember, the Seventh Day lot are vegetarians, believing that eating healthy gets you closer to God and Kellogg was still into that, of course. His ideal... Was to have people be veggies and eat healthy things like natural growing fruit, vegetables, nuts, grains. Uh, where do you begin when trying to implement a cultural shift in the way that we eat? Uh, remember, at that time, people were just eating like you know what they had for dinner last night, just recooked. Um, but as he wants people to eat, um, you know, all these lovely healthy things. Breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Oh, so I'm going to get to during Kellogg's time. Breakfast was usually the night before leftovers, reheated meat and potatoes, uh, you know, like leftover pizza, which is the best thing in the world. Um, Ke- yeah. Kellogg wanted to create a breakfast that was easy to prepare and easy on the bowels. Remember, Kellogg, Kellogg is the Gillian McKeith of his day, like, let me see you poo, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He experimented for years trying to create foods that were easy on the stomach, um, you know, that suited the requirements of his faith. But most importantly was bland and now they have to emphasize yeah, like, the I'm, word i'm
3: literally looking i'm literally looking at a list of Kellogg cereals now and apart from like Cocoa pops and uh crave and whatever most of the shit is very bland
2: yeah yeah exactly apart from the odd uh, frosties Cocoa pops all that sort of stuff but even frosties are still bland well i, I like the sugary bits on it um but but yeah guess, you're yeah, right for the most part quite nice at times yes you're right for the most part like cornflakes it's like fruit and nut it's it the idea is it's supposed to be relatively healthy yeah, cereal. K,
3: even Rice Krispies are fucking bland. Oh, it's crap, isn't
2: it? Uh, but then there's a reason, right? So the whole point was to make the food as bland as possible as to not overstimulate oneself. And it's exactly what you right. think. Who's wanking over food?
3: Um, sometimes I'll have a moment of, oh, fuck, that's amazing, but it's, n- it's not in a sexual way. No, no, when like you
2: have a good steak... And you're like, oh, yeah. That's good. You're like, oh, that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. But you don't actually, you know, whack one off. No intention of,
3: yeah, jacking off over. Not into
2: the, not into the peppercorn sauce. It's, it's just not. No, done. that'd be weird. Um, but he initially created. So yeah, he's got this idea that if food was just too exciting, too nice, too like, oh yeah, it's gonna make you overly horny. <laughs>
3: I disagree because say if I have like a big steak meal for something and then I'll have like I don't know a cheesecake to follow and everything tastes amazing. Usually I'll eat so much that I physically don't want to be intimate. Hundred percent, overeating. Whereas is if the best I way. have a bowl of cornflakes, for example, I'll be like, well, I feel light and healthy. Yeah, and I'd be able to, I'd be able to perform. I don't think he's thought this. To no, drink. he's done it the
2: wrong way around. He should have made people as fat as fuck so they can't fuck.
3: Yeah. Yeah, make portions huge, make it really fucking heavy.
2: Mm. Mm. Um, so so uh, he initially created uh, granula, which consisted of a mixture of wheat, oats and corn baked at a high temperature, then broken into crumbs. Now, granula needed a name change when a guy called James Jackson had already bought the rights to the name granula. So Kellogg changed it to granola. <laughs> I do like granola. Yeah, I like granola bars.
3: Yeah, even like if you get like a bowl of granola and like smother it in honey. Oh, that's a good idea. Or like syrup. Yeah, really nice.
2: But what we're all here for is the cornflake. That's why we're listening to this episode. It's most famous when one. I when when we put out this episode, John Harvey Kellogg. And I put up the social media and you went, oh, what new episode have that's what people do got? Oh, John Harvey Kell. Oh, cornflakes. That's why we're here. So let's get on to it, okay? The blandest fucking cereal on the planet, level with shredded I wheat. I
3: don't, I don't know anyone that buys cornflakes. No, and
2: if you have cornflakes, what do you do? You smother that shit in sugar.
3: Yeah, literally.
2: I get the biggest spoon I have and I give it a good two dunks. <laughs> and if you don't eat them quick enough, they go so soggy. Yeah, they're crap, man. Anyway, but I suppose that's the point. The whole point with the cereal has to be quick. You've got to grab it. Go. It's easy to make. Easy to prepare. Easy to Quick to eat. Get up. Go. No, it's like fucking about with last night's dinner, which is really bad for you. So how they made it is kind of shrouded in myth with Kellogg. Okay. So his brother, Will, and wife, Ella, all claim they have a bigger impact on the creation of the cereal. Okay. So the story goes that in 1894, Kellogg and his brother, Will, left on the counter wheat berry dough. Okay. Now, overnight, this wheat berry dough went stale. And when found in the morning, Kellogg decided to have it pressed and rolled and then baked into a new flaky cereal. And thus it was born. Right. Yeah. So Kellogg's brother, Will, was tasked with marketing the cereal. It was a hit selling thousands of boxes. It was quick and easy to prepare, albeit a bit bland. But Will, the brother, had an idea for that. He wanted to add sugar to the cereal to jazz it up a bit, but his brother Kellogg was having none of it. And the, this, this caused the brothers to completely fall out. And then Will made his own company, the Battle Creek Toasted Corn Flake Company. Now, what is it with Victorian early 20th century companies and their fucking ridiculously long names? I said this yeah, about needs the to be sanatorium. Short snappy. short, snappy. You've made everything about the cereal quick. You've made the preparation quick. You've made it eating quick. You've made it all like easy to do, except for the sodding name. Imagine that. Yeah. The whole idea was to make it quick and easy to prepare, and then you go, "What what breakfast cereal would you like?" And then you've got to waste time saying, "Oh, I'd like the Battle Creek Toasted Cornflake Company cereal, please." <laughs> yeah. Why am I wasting time saying that? Just give me cornflakes, you know. So. Will, the brother, would go on to essentially run the company himself. Kellogg tried to sell the cereal himself, but Brother Will sued Brother Kellogg and won. Nice this is fun. like a this is like a mythical Greek story. Um Kellogg would continue to work at his sanatorium, known for wearing his brilliant Daz White suit with a cockatoo on his shoulder. Which is a really interesting little fun fact. He had a cockatoo mm. pet and he wore it on his shoulder all the time. Um, so, yeah, um, they've created the cereals but it's the brother that actually won the company and has taken it away and he's basically running it himself and Kellogg's just gone well, fuck it, I'll go back to shoving yoghurt up people's bums then. And um, in 1907 Kellogg and his beloved church came to blows again. They believed he was using church funds for medical research and educational needs rather than spending it on spreading the message and converting more people. And thus, he was actually expelled from the church. But who needs a church when you've got your own pimp ass sanatorium with yoga enemas? Basically, what frubs are now but don't use yeah. them for that, okay? Don't use them as enemies. Yeah, what, the
3: best thing to do with rubes is put them on the floor, wait for someone to walk past and fucking stamp on one end of it so it spurts out the other end and covers them in yoghurt. Endless fun. Used to do that in school so much, and if you got hit by one, your day was ruined.
2: Oh, mate, that, that stuff stinks when it dries.
3: Yeah, funny though, really funny. Looks like a cum if you get them in the right place.
2: <laughs> so, um, Kellogg got more stuck into his medical education, um learning more about the abdomen with classes in London and Vienna, uh, honing his skills as a surgeon specialising in abdominal surgeries, and he would go on to perform around 22,000 operations by the time he stopped doing it at the age of 88. Bloody hell. Do you really want an 87-year-old John Harvey Kellogg doing an operation on you?
3: Yeah, Mr. Shaky Hands.
2: Mr. Fucking Shaky Hands, yeah, with his four bowel movements going, oh, I've got to go again. Like, no, <laughs> I don't want that. Um, he would also go on to help fund and build schools dedicated to nursing, hygiene and home economics. Okay. He wrote something in the region of 50 books on health and issued some of the first warnings on smoking. Was so, I
3: just, I Yeah,
2: I did good things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not so me. This is where, like, I'm having, I'm finding people now that are more in that gray area, which I find more yeah. interesting. Like, there's a bit of bad, a bit of good. Like, we've, we've got a few people that are just like almost wholly good. They've done really cool things. And it's like, yeah, that's fun and that. And th- those people should be respected and applauded. But it's fun when someone's done something a bit weird. And you're like, I'm not sure, actually. Now, he would go on to co-fund, um, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here comes more gray, 50 shades right, of them. Okay. Um, he would go on to co-found the Race Betterment Foundation. Can you guess what that's about? Mm, say it's, it again? It's called the Race Betterment Foundation. Race Betterment Foundation. Yes, Race Betterment Foundation.
3: Well, uh, this is either going to be really good like he's trying to help minorities or it's going to be completely the completely the other way and he's going to be like pro white
2: mm. like so it is an organization with the sole intention of maintaining the superiority of certain races by selective breeding oddly people. yes oddly several of his adoptive children were of other races although it is in an archive that some of his children are quote undesirables
3: ah yes yes he was a racist
2: Yes, it appears that he was some sort of a racist and a bit of a eugenic- eugenicist as well. He was in, yeah. like, into like selective breeding and that sort of stuff. Like pe- Certain people should only be breeding with other certain people, that kind of thing. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, Kellogg's Sanatorium was the hub of his thoughts. It's like his kingdom, isn't it? It's his castle. He's the king of it. It's a facility in the US dedicated... To eugenics, taking up around 30 years of his life thinking this over, right? He believed that excluding certain humans from breeding would improve humanity overall. Well, this sounds like the thinking of a nutjob Nazi. Um, you know, where you think they went with that, eh? <laughs> um, mm. But it had all too real ramifications. Kellogg was on the board of health at Michigan State and was able to pass a law that allowed for the sterilization of, quote, mentally defective persons. This this law led to the involuntary sterilization of nearly 4,000 people in the state alone, and this law would continue up until 1977. Interesting. Ugh. I'm not... Yeah, grey, huh? So, Kellogg believed that stopping certain humans from breeding and allowing only desirable humans to reproduce would end all the wrongs of the world, like poverty, criminality, and feeble-mindedness.
3: So, he's basically saying that black people are criminals and dumb. Uh, And poor. I'm not going to say just... No, I'm not say yeah, this. other minorities, like black people, probably Hispanics as well, if he's in America. Yeah,
2: I'm going to assume that other minorities come under that umbrella as well, but also um, other people with maybe mental illness or some sort of uh, men- uh, mentally challenged people, um, many people yeah. sort of like learning difficulties of the sorts, those sort of people. He was like, well, if we just take them out the gene pool, that betters humanity, right? Um, it's not how it works. It's definitely not how it works. So his sanatorium even hosted a, quote... Better baby contest and proposed a worldwide register whereby people would be given quotes pedigrees. Oh dear. Yeah, man. There's actually pictures of this. You can find pictures of the Better Baby Contest. And it is loads of like women there with their children. And they're literally like it's a contest to see who had like the the perfect child of, of and then I suppose there'd be like measurements and stuff to be like, oh this child is like the perfect offspring, that kind of stuff, like um and he genuinely so believed, up, he genuinely believed that, like, in his ideal world, certain humans would be selected to breed and others wouldn't. And then those people. That's would... exactly what Hitler did. Yeah, almost, pretty much, yeah. And then, like, uh, among those people, they'd be split again, even more down into pedigrees. You know, then you'd be like, well, oh, this, this person's of the top tier pedigree. They're the perfect person for breeding with you. Can't breed with other people lesser than you. Yeah, it's very Nazi thinking, isn't it? And this is way before yeah, very Nazis. Very Nazi thinking. Way before Nazis. This is like, this isn't even World War II. Uh, World War One, sorry.
3: But he gave us cornflakes. Actually, it, so it would have been. It would have been. It I, mean. I think
2: it might have been just after the the, the First World War because eugenics was uh, a thought then. Um, but, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's all a bit weird. And I'm not sure I want to condemn the guy too badly. Okay, he got wrapped up in some religious lifestyle without his consent as a child. And you're going to be pretty susceptible to other beliefs, aren't you? Plus, we can throw out the man of the time here. I feel like that's going to be our sort of, you know, term for what a lot of historical people we cover. Um, Is he man of the time?
3: Yeah, but I think a lot of people were, but they didn't fucking have competitions about who can have the perfect child.
2: Eh, Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, Yeah, but anyway, the man who helped to invent the cornflake, John Harvey Kellogg, would die aged 91 on December the 14th. 1943 of pneumonia. Oh, dear. Uh, Kellogg's today is arguably the most famous breakfast cereal company in the world. It's like the Coca Cola of breakfasts. Yeah. They've got uh, Cocoa Pops, Crunchy Nut, Brown Flakes, Corn Flakes, Frosties, Fruit Fiber, Crave, Rice Krispies, Neutral Grain, Special K. It is huge. They
3: do Pop Tarts as well.
2: Yeah, uh, and they do Pop Tarts. So if you like your Potarts, it's fine. Tell you what, you. he'd be spinning uh, in his grave with all the sugar going on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he hated all the sugar. Kellogg's today is so full of sugar, he'd be like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? My sugar is stimulating and exciting people too much.
3: Yeah, fucking, especially with Crave. Like, that shit is crazy.
2: Yeah, man. But I love it, and I'm probably going to have a bowl of cereal after this recording. Probably a bowl of Frosty. I had Coke Pops earlier,
3: so I've already indulged.
2: Excellent. Uh, And that is the story of John Harvey Kellogg and his weird, weird medical history and cereal.
3: What a weird guy, Are you going from good to bad to good to
2: bad. I know, right? I told you it was weird. I I, I messaged you and I was like, this dude's weird. He's got some weird stuff. And it was like, oh, okay. It's really weird.
3: I'm not sure how to feel.
2: I know, right? I'm not going to get rushed to go get yogurt shoved up my bum anytime soon. No, or get a
3: foreskin without... Well, get a foreskin, get a circumcision without any anesthetic.
2: Yeah, that's the bit that would fucking hurt, man.
3: Or hold a competition about who can have the perfect, probably white baby.
2: More than likely, yeah. More than likely white. So, yes, uh, rather interesting grey area this man is. But he is also the man who brought us the most famous cereal brand there is and the most popular cereal brand in the world. So, um, for that, I'll say thank you, Mr. John Harvey Kellogg. For the rest, I'm going to say... Have a yeah. word. Um, have a word of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, brilliant. Next week. Next week It's <laughs> going to be an interesting one. On the next episode. Mem- like, remember when? Remember
3: that. when we did um, Michelle Carter, and we both uh, like knew what was going on,
2: sort of. Oh, with the documentary. Yeah, um... yeah,
3: I'm kind of going along the same thought process. I don't know if you know a lot about this, but if you do want to watch a documentary, it might be beneficial. Next week, we're going to cover Amanda Knox.
2: Oh, damn.
3: Yeah, and her trial and everything surrounding that.
2: Interesting. I I kind of know a little bit, but hardly anything at all. She, She was
3: accused of killing another backpacker in Italy in the early 2000s and was sentenced to jail and then got acquitted. So we'll...
2: No way. That's crazy. Okay, brilliant. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to that one. All right, then, guys. Uh, look forward to that. Join us next week whilst we do that. Uh, make sure you hit us up on all the social media. Follow us on Instagram at That's What People Do Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, if you have that instead, at That's WPD, and head over to Twitter, where you will find us along the same page. Uh, uh title there at that's wpd or if not you can always drop us an email if you have anyone you'd like us to talk about or if you have any ideas or anything you'd like to share with us about the podcast uh just generally generally send us an email at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. That's all the social media is done. Wonderful. Um we've got next week's preview done. Mr. Mandanox look forward to that and that's about it. Yeah. Catch you next week. Brilliant. See you later then. Bye. Thank <music> you.